And I'm reading from verse 1, Romans 12, and reading from verse 1. Therefore I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing and perfect will. For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the measure of faith God has given you. Just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we who are many form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. It is, if it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it cheerfully. Okay, we're doing this thing uh, called uh, 40 Days of uh, Community. Uh, with the uh, strap line that we're better together. That's what we're thinking about over these 40 days, that uh, everything that we do in church, uh, we can do it better if we do together with other believers. And uh, in week one, we were thinking about what matters most, and uh, the memory verse, I wonder if anyone can remember the memory verse for week one. It nearly came up then. Have you been uh, looking at your tags every day as you put your keys in the door or turn uh, the key in the in the car ignition? Um, anybody remember the, the verse for... I'll give it to you. It's up there. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. And then last week, uh, we were thinking about reaching out together. Uh, we were thinking about how we reach out into our communities. And in the small groups, you've been uh, thinking about that this week. And uh, just, to, just to say to the small groups about the, uh, the, the project, the mission project, uh, you know, do speak to myself and, and other leaders in, in what you're thinking about doing. Because the idea is that each small group engages in a small group project. And it is, and a number of people come to me and said, you know, are we doing this together as a church? And, and the idea is actually that you do it within your small group. It's okay to bring others in. But instead of having a, a kind of church-wide outreach into the community, which we do from time to time anyway, the idea is that the five or six people in your small group uh, do something. And the idea is that if each of the six or seven or eight small groups does something, uh, just imagine the impact of 30 or 40 people um, reaching out in love to our community. They'll be absolutely uh, bowled over. They'll wonder what's happening. They'll think uh, revival has broken out at Lum Baptist Church as as we do all these things in the community. So do uh, speak to one another. And the, uh, the, the the verse for last week was, be wise in the way we, we act, you act with people who are not believers, making the most 
of every, every opportunity. And that's what we want to do during these 40 days. We want to use this as an opportunity uh, to reach out in love to the community that God has placed us in. Uh, this week we're continuing. It's uh, week three. And uh, as we've already been talking about with the children, uh, we're thinking about uh, belonging together. And there's the verse. Since we are all one body in Christ, we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others. And just in case you wonder, this is day 15 of uh, 40 days. If you're following uh, the daily readings in the book, it's day 15. And uh, it's not too late to join in. If you've not, uh, if you've not joined a small group, I would encourage you to join uh, a small group for the period of 40 days of Lent. If you haven't got the uh, the book, uh, we can we can soon get you a, a copy of the book. So uh, so do join in. It's not too late to join in. So what are we thinking about this? Christ makes us one body, and individuals who are connected to each other. You and I, we were created for uh, relationships. We were, we were made uh, for relationships. We spend a lot of our time uh, in relationships. And, uh, of course, one thing, one thing about relationships is sometimes uh, relationships are great. And it's fantastic. And uh, we relate to one another and we relate to our families and our friends really well. Uh, but sometimes... Uh, relationships go wrong. And uh, we've all experienced, haven't we, uh, relationships going wrong. It might be, uh, you know, from when we were small at school, falling out with a friend in the playground, um, to more serious breakdowns in, uh, in relationships in families. Um, as we get older, we all experience and we know uh, that relationships can be great, but they can also... Um, be spoilt. And today we're going to be thinking about the things that spoil our relationships and the things that help uh, to build our relationships up. And uh, the first thing that uh, can destroy relationships, and if you've got um, uh, a little sheet, you can follow it on your sheet, uh, selfishness destroys relationship. One of the major things that destroys relationships is selfishness, uh, the idea that uh, I want my own way. I like the uh, illustration that Rick Warren gave. If you watched uh, the video this week, he talked about, uh, you know, childish behavior, you know, the, the idea that it's all about me, 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 and, uh, and what I want, and, uh, and that sometimes we do act like children, don't we? Let's be honest. Uh, we like to get our own way. We like to do our own things. And uh, Rick Warren said that sometimes uh, believers even need to have a little nap uh, during the morning service, just like a, a little child. Um, and uh, ma- many people have gone to sleep during my sermons. You won't be the first person to fall asleep during one of my sermons. Selfishness destroys relationship. What causes fights and quarrels, uh, James says, don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You want something, but you don't get it. So very often, uh, relationships are destroyed uh, when one person insists on having their own way. And anybody that's in any sorts of relationships uh, will know that, uh, that relationships is about compromising. It's about give and take. It's about thinking about uh, what other people want as well as thinking about what you want. But it's part of our nature uh, to be selfish. Uh, it's, we, we spend most of our time thinking about ourselves, don't we? Uh, we live in our own little world. And, and most of the time, if we're honest, 
uh, we are thinking about ourselves, you know. Uh, what am I having for my dinner today? What am I going to do this afternoon? Uh, what am I going to watch on television? Uh, what am I going to be doing tomorrow? What do I need uh, to get from the shops? Most of the time, our thoughts are about ourselves. It's quite natural. Uh, we naturally think about ourselves first. Uh, what do I want? And uh, the Bible suggests this is one of the things that can destroy relationships when it's all about me and all about what I want. Again, in Proverbs 28, selfishness only causes trouble. Selfishness only causes trouble. So what's the remedy? What's the, uh, the antidote then to, uh, to self-centeredness? Um, well, it's selflessness. Selflessness. Selfishness destroys relationship. Selflessness builds relationships up. It's about putting somebody else's need before yours. Um, in Philippians, Paul says, look out for one another's interests, not just for your own. Uh, we've already said that we're, we were all quite good about looking after our own interests. We're all quite good about uh, serving our own needs and making sure we've got exactly what we want. Uh, what we need to do is to encourage each other and to build each other up in, in thinking about other people. And that's why it's good to get into a small group. Because if you like, in a small group, um, you have to think about the, the needs of others. It's not just about what I want. You know, I, you know, like, you know, when the biscuits come out uh, in a small group, you know, we pass them around. We don't just say, oh, well, I think I'll have the, the chocolate ones and, and oh, maybe you do in your group. <laughs> but, you know, it's about thinking about others. Would you like the last chocolate biscuit? Would, would, you, would you like this? Would you like that? It's putting other people's needs. And in a small group, we get the, the opportunity to practice that, to practice not putting ourselves first. Look out for one another's interests not just for your own. And Paul in Galatians, this is from the message, the person who plants selfishness, ignoring the needs of others and ignoring God's harvest, ignoring God, harvests a crop of weeds. All he'll have to show for his life is weeds. But the one who plants in response to God, letting God's spirit do the growth work in him, harvests a crop of real life and eternal life. And here what Paul is saying is, you know, um, if, we, if we're selfish, if, if that's the way we live, if, if, if that's the, the thing that we're sowing in, in, into, this, into this world, then that's what we'll experience. Um, if, we don't, uh, if we're not kind to other people, you know, maybe other people won't be kind to us. If we're you know, a little bit grumpy and a little bit miserable, then maybe that's what we'll get back. Uh, grumpiness. It's, it's, we, we very often respond, don't we? Uh, we reflect what we receive very often. You know, if somebody uh, says something nasty to us, the response very often is for us to say something nasty back to them. Live freely, animated and motivated by God's Spirit. Then you won't feed the compulsions of selfishness. Uh, it's very easy to, to feed our own desires, isn't it? And to look after ourselves. And Paul reminds us that this is something that is in each one of us. And we all recognise it and we all know that it's the case. So the, second, the first thing that destroys relationships is, is selfishness. 
The second thing that destroys relationships is pride. Is pride. Um, Pride leads to arguments, Proverbs 13, 10 says. Pride leads to arguments. Pride will destroy a person. A proud attitude leads to ruin. Pride shows up in in all sorts of ways. Um, It's the idea, of course, um, at the root, it's the idea that, you know, we're better uh, than somebody else. Um, it can it can come out in in in, uh, in different ways. It shows up first in criticism. If you've got a, a critical nature, you're always criticising other people. Uh, it's maybe because you actually think you know you could do something better than them, and uh, and we see that, don't we, uh, in in family life, in church life. Uh, if you tend to be competitive, you know. Uh, always comparing yourself with other people, uh, comparing you the way that you dress, comparing your house, comparing your car. Uh, again, that can be a self, it's a, a, a sense of pride uh, that I've got better things than than other people. Uh, maybe um, stubbornness can also be a sense of pride. You know, if you find it difficult to uh, admit you're wrong, uh, that's a sense of pride, isn't it? Not being able to admit uh, that you've done something wrong. You might say, you know, well, if I've offended you, uh, that's not really an apology, is it? When people say, you know, if I've offended you, it's almost saying, well, really, it's your fault uh, for being offended by what I said. And, you know, some people find it very hard to admit that they're wrong. Um, just can't admit it. And that's, that's pride. It's pride that gets in the way of us being able to, uh, to admit when we get something wrong. Uh, Again, in Proverbs, first pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. That's the uh, the message version. So what's the uh, the antidote then to pride? Well, it's pretty obvious. Uh, Humility. Humility uh, will build us up. Humility will build us up. Live in harmony, be sympathetic, love each other, have compassion and be humble. It's important to notice that that harmony and and humility go together. Um, We are to live in harmony with one another. Uh, Being sympathetic and loving each other and having compassion. Um, In relationships, you know, the the sort of people that you spend time with um, will affect you. You know, if 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 you spend time with somebody that's really... Uh, you know, energetic and happy and buzzing, you'll come away from that person, uh, some of that will rub off on you. In the same way as if you, if, you, if you spend time with somebody that's always cynical about everything, you know what I mean? Whether it's the weather, uh, what's going on in, in, in the world, the football team, you know, who's been to a football match and, and, and sat next to somebody um, who does nothing but moan and complain about the team? Did you hear that wonderful, uh, I don't even know if you watched Football Focus yesterday. Uh, somebody phoned, they, they showed a clip of somebody phoning in five live uh, after the match and they hadn't stayed to the end and this person got on complaining that their team uh, just couldn't score goals and it was just typical of them to end up with another nil and a draw and they ranted on and on and the, the, the guy in the interview said, excuse me, can I just interrupt you? And the guy was going on ranting and complaining. He said, he said can I just tell you, the game ended 2-0. 
And the guy says, what? He said, I left two minutes before the end. He said, yeah, they scored in, in the 91st and the 92nd minute. It was 2-0. And, uh, you know, we, that, that's the world that we live in, though, isn't it? You know what I mean? We're so quick to complain. And if you spend your time with people like that, the tendency is, 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 is that you join in. You join in. Let the Spirit change your way of thinking and make you into a new person. We want the Holy Spirit to come inside us and to change us. And to make us into people that are, are more like Jesus. And uh, we've got to encourage that. And again, in our small groups, it's a great opportunity um, to build up relationships. Because, you know, let me tell you something. If you're in a small group, you're not always going to agree. You know, you'll have different people with different opinions. Have you found that in your small groups? You know, you're looking at a particular passage and, and there's always somebody that, that has a difference of opinion. You know, God hasn't made us all the same. He hasn't made us all exactly the same. You know, we, that illustration of the body, you know, some of us are a hand and a, and a foot. Some people are always kicking, aren't they? And some people are always, you know, uh, we're different. Uh, but relationships, being together, that's how we learn to get on with one another. And uh, if we're humble uh, in ourselves, we're not always putting ourselves forward as, as the person who's got the definitive answer. You know, there's always somebody, sometimes people say something in a small group and it's like, well, you can't say anything else because this is how it is and there's no room for any, any other opinions. And really, that's quite a, a, a proud person, isn't it? Who's saying, I understand, I know what's right. In other words, you know, you listen to me. Um, humility uh, will bring out the best in others because it will listen to what other people have to say. Be humble and give more honour to others than to yourselves. Your attitude should be the same as that as Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not demand and cling to his rights as God. Our example is always Jesus. If we look to Jesus, we see somebody who humbled himself so much. He was living in heaven with God and he came down and he became a man. He humbled himself. He stripped himself of of all the power and authority and majesty, and he became a man to humble himself. And the passage goes on to say that he humbled himself and became obedient even to death and death on a cross. Jesus is our example for humility. And uh, give more honour to others than to yourself. The third thing that uh, destroys relationships is insecurity. Insecurity destroys relationships. Insecurity destroys relationships. The fear of human opinion disables. If you're always worried about what somebody else thinks about you, we've all been in a conversation where where somebody has actually put us down, haven't we? We've all experienced that. We know what it's like. And it can disable you. It can make you feel uh, that you're not worth anything. And again, one of the ideas is this, in the small group is that, you know, everybody's opinion matters. Um, you know, and we need to encourage one another uh, rather than disable people by, by uh, saying, oh, no, that's wrong, you know, and, uh, and you don't understand and you don't know. And it's so easy to put people down and leave people. There's so many insecure people um, within this church and every church. People that are insecure in themselves, people that are insecure in their relationship with God, and people that are insecure with their relationship with the family of God. You know, they don't feel uh, fully part of what's going on. They feel uh, insecure. 
And uh, even right at the beginning in Genesis chapter 3, Adam says, I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. Um, That story at the beginning of, of creation where Adam hides because he's being found out, he's being exposed. And that he's frightened of God seeing who he really is, that he's a person that's done wrong. And so often we hide. We hide from God, uh, we hide from each other, and uh, we even hide from ourselves. Sometimes we're not even honest uh, with ourselves. So if, uh, if insecurity destroys relationship, uh, love builds relationships up. Love builds relationships up. Love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. If we are afraid, it shows that his love has not been perfected in us. The fact that God loves us uh, exactly as we are. Other people will find fault in us. Do you know? They'll find fault in the way that we dress. They'll find fault in the way that we speak. They'll find fault in the way that we behave. And uh, when people are finding faults with you... Uh, one of the messages you get from those people is, you don't really like me, do you? You know, you don't like my shirt, you don't like my tie, you don't like the, the, the way that I dress, you don't like the way I drive the car. And we so often give that impression. God loves us. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, into the world whilst we were still sinners, whilst we were still far away from God, to demonstrate his love. When we get the idea that God loves us, It gives us great confidence because if the creator of the world loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to die for us, how much does he love us? How much does he care for us? And therefore, how much should we love each other? Why don't you try uh, this week uh, in the people that you meet to build them up? You know, you stood at the checkout, the person's there all day, you know, say to them... uh, What a lovely smile. Thank you for serving me. Because the next five customers will probably be complaining that they've been waiting too long or that that, that the price is wrong or something else. We can build people up. We can show Jesus' love just by smiling to people, by speaking to people, by encouraging people. Um, Love has no fear because perfect love expels all fear. All who proclaim that Jesus is the Son of God have God living in them. We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in him. God is love. And as we live in God, our love goes more perfect so we will not be afraid. Did you know that God lives in us? And if God is love, then that love must live within us. And we need to let it out. We need to let that love just flow out. You know, when people meet and bump into you, Do they experience the love of God or the grumpiness of whatever's going on in your life? Do they go away and think, wow, what a fantastic conversation. I feel really built up by that person. There's something something about that person. I can't quite put my finger on it. And it's the love of God. And if we allow the love of God into us, we will become nicer people. We shouldn't have any grumpy people in the church. We shouldn't have any people that aren't nice because because the longer that we are in Christ, the more like Christ we should become. And the more of God's love should be shown in our lives. And something's wrong if we're not becoming nicer, more loving people. And again, in the small groups, you know, 
we can, we can actually talk about this. We can say to one another, uh, in love. <laughs> you know what's coming, don't you? When someone says in love, I'm telling you this in love, and then they absolutely batter you, don't they? Uh, but it's in love. Well, it's not in love. If, you, if the person goes away feeling absolutely worthless, it wasn't in love, was it? It's just like an excuse sometimes, isn't it? To have a go. But that doesn't mean we're not honest with each other. Love isn't about not being honest with each other. Uh, Love is about saying to somebody, you know, to help and to encourage them, but also to challenge them. And again, in a small group, as we build up relationships with one another, we can be a little bit honest with each other. You know, we've all got people, haven't we, in our our small groups that that Rick Warman calls um, EGRs. People, extra grace required. Do you know, you know what I mean? Uh, just think, there's somebody in your group who, who is an EGR. They're, they're extra grace required. If you can't think of the person, you're probably it. <laughs> everybody, else is think, everybody else is thinking of you. Don't worry about it. Because they love you. They love you. And, uh, and, and they know that you're a person, that there's extra grace required. I'm probably the person in our, in our group that everybody's uh, thinking about. You might be the person in, in your group. What's the final thing that destroys relationships? The final thing that destroys relationships is resentment. Resentment destroys relationships. In the book of Job, it says, To worry yourself to death with resentment is a foolish, senseless thing to do. Since my heart was embittered and my soul deeply wounded, I was stupid and could not understand. Now, Everybody blows it from time to time. We all make mistakes. It's what the Bible refers to as sin. None of us are perfect. Paul says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So we're in this together. None of us are perfect. But one of the things that's difficult to learn in life is in life we're going to get hurt. Even in church. uh, A place that should be a place of safety. You know, people sadly are going to say things sometimes... Uh, that are hurtful. And the question is, what do we do with that hurt? What do we do? Do we become resentful and, and bitter? You know that phrase, you know, hurt people, hurt people. Because they're hurting, they hurt others. And again, you know, um, you know people carry grudges. You know, people carry things around with them. Uh, you know, I've talked to people and, and it's so sad that they're still carrying something around with them that happened a long time ago. They're still allowing that person who hurt them, might be five, ten years ago, to continue hurting them because they carry it with them. And, uh, you know, in relationships, you know, when somebody brings something up, um, my wife won't mind me saying this. <laughs> She's not here this morning, so uh, she'll forgive me, I'm sure. But uh, uh, when we were uh, on holiday once, uh, we, were, we were packing up the car and we were going off for the day and uh, we were going off for a few days and um, we'd got the rubbish out and uh, we had, we were living, we were, we'd done an exchange with these uh, Canadian ministers and we were going off for a few days uh, into the wilderness and we were packing up the van and throwing rubbish into the bin and we had to make sure the cats were in so they didn't get eaten by the bears and all sorts of things like that and uh, mistakenly I must have put, it must have been me, because Susan says it was, I I still can't recall it, I must have put a bag that contained 
Susan, Jessica's and Rachel's training shoe in the bin with all the rubbish. At certain points in our life, this Susan has reminded me of this fact that I threw away her best sketcher's training shoes. She's not really let it go. <laughs> I'm not sure whether she's really forgiven me, even though I've said I'm sorry for doing it. But we do, don't we? Hold on to silly things. That's just a silly example of things we hold on. But people hold on to a lot more serious things than that. And they allow things to carry on hurting them over the years. Look after each other. Watch out that no bitterness takes root among you. For as it springs up, it causes deep trouble, hurting many in their spiritual lives. Don't let bitterness take root. Don't let resentfulness take root because it it will just grow and develop and it will make you into a bitter, resentful person. Those people that are cranky, they're cranky for a reason. They've been hurt and they've never really, they've hung on to that hurt. And it comes out in the, 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 the little quips that they come out with that are so nasty. It just comes out of them because it's, it's been rooted with inside them and they've not allowed to let go and for Jesus to heal it. We know, uh, we know people like that and it's very sad and we need, to, we need to know what's going to build them up. Well, forgiveness will build them up. Forgiveness is what the Bible talks about. It's how we let go. We forgive people. I have a, 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 a kind of general rule that helps me in life. That I tell myself I have to forgive. I don't, I, it isn't a choice. I might not want to forgive. I might not think the person is deserving of, of my forgiveness. But if you have a rule that says, well, Jesus seemed to say um, that we ought to forgive others. You know, we say it in, in the Lord's Prayer, don't we? Uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those that trespass against us. We pray that prayer, you know, often. Um, we forgive because we have been forgiven. You know, God has forgiven us much more than we will ever have to forgive anybody else. That should be the foundation and the root of our wanting to forgive. Because God has forgiven us. We are a forgiven people. And we have this wonderful thing called forgiveness that we can offer to the community and to the nation. That our God is a forgiving God. And that God's people are to be a forgiving people. And so we have to forgive people, even when they are irritating. And again, in small groups, it's a, it's a great little kind of, uh, you know, place to work those things out. Because we all have people in our small groups. Uh, the TMIs, this is a new one, the TMIs. People that give you too much information. Do you know what I mean? Uh, they might just be late. They might come in late, but they're going to tell you, you know, well, the reason why I'm late, and they'll go on for half an hour telling you why they're late, and they kind of, you know, it's, they're irritating, but we have to forgive them. Um, the person who turns every statement into a wisecracking, who's always making light and fun, and so you feel like you can't have a serious conversation, they turn everything into a joke. Um, the person that doesn't really... Uh, it's always, you know, maybe wanting to check the, the football results during the meeting. You know, it can be irritating, can't it? And we have to forgive. And small groups is a great, is a great place to work those things out. Where we can speak to people in love. And we can say if we think things aren't appropriate, but we have to forgive. It is the remedy to, to bitterness and, uh, and it, will, it will change us. And it will change our communities. 
You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. I like the fact that it says must. It doesn't say, you know, um, that you ought to. It says you must forgive others. And for some people that's very hard. That's very hard. There'll be people in this room, people in this community, who are carrying around with them all sorts of unforgiveness. It will destroy you if you don't let go. Forgiveness. We are in the business of forgiveness. That's what we're in the business of. Once our lives were full of resentment and envy, this is uh, Paul in Titus, but then Christ saved us, not because we were good enough to be saved, but because of his kindness and love, by washing away our sins and giving us the new joy of the indwelling Holy Spirit, all because of what Jesus our Saviour did, so that he could declare us good in God's eyes. Again, just reinforcing the idea that we forgive others because God has forgiven us. That's why we forgive. The Lord says, forget what happened before and do not think about the past. I'm going to do something new. I will make rivers on a dry land. God can't do something new when we're still holding on to the old. God can't do something new in our lives as individuals, our lives as a community, our lives as a body. If we're holding on to the past, we need to grasp the new thing that God is wanting to do. So, there we have it. The things that destroy relationships and the things that build up. Let's be aware of those things that destroy and let's be encouraging those things that build one another up. Let's pray 